Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I'm here with Ruth as ever. Good evening. After our last podcast was in a Scottish bar, we've decided to keep the Celtic vibes alive and ironically chosen to do this in an Irish bar uh, in Boston. So uh, thank you, Doyles, for not pestering us whilst we do this. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the Spain and the Ireland game. I had a very interesting back and forth with a lot of people on Twitter today about the under 21, so we're going to talk about that. And I think it's only right that we talk about what seems to be quite an unsavoury incident that's been brought to our attention. Um, I'd like to start with that, if that's okay with you. Okay. Um, Over to you. Right, well, a few people this evening, I'm sure, have noticed the tweet that Hales put out about uh, an incident that happened to her and then she reported on about another lass that was affected. And and since Hayley's tweet, Katie, who's based in Seattle, has come out and said she was the other lass and, and both were groped there's no two you can't yeah. describe it as anything else um and it's just one i like hats off to both of them for being brave enough and standing up Absolutely. and making sure that people are aware of this i know it's a really difficult decision to go public with things like that like just personally public with things like that but also in an environment where Hales in particular has worked so hard to help build up part of what is Wales and Wales away and the supporters and she's such a valued part of that and she's doing so much to draw in other women that for her to shine a light on this and you know potentially bring bad publicity towards towards our supporters is that's been a hard decision for her for her I imagine uh, I mean there's nothing you can say beyond it's just it's just so unacceptable I think one of the things I've val- always valued about the football is I've, I've never been that conscious of being a woman supporter. Yeah. I've been conscious in the sense that you can't find the damn loose, there's no <laughs> facilities, but that's not been about the lads I've stood on the terrace with. It's never been about that. And I think anything that is stopping people feeling comfortable, whether it's sexist, whether it's racist, whether it's ageist, whatever it is, but stopping people feeling comfortable following our team. We've got to hold our hands up, hold our heads up and do something about it. We can't pretend it isn't happening. There was racist abuse of Ash at the weekend at the Island game that I heard about. It's that there's something going on at the minute that is just wrong. And we can't pretend it isn't there and we can't pretend we don't need to address it. I mean, from as as always, like you know, the racist thing. I I wasn't made aware. I I wasn't aware of that. That's something you saw, and and if if that's true, then I think that's dreadful. And you know, again, you know, people need to. If you see something like the match, you need to address it. And you know, we all of a sudden we've gone from being this brilliant group who travelled in mass numbers to France and were behaved amazingly and were you know lauded for it to all of a sudden this kind of daft thing creeping in. I say daft makes it sound trivial it's not it's awful and this daft element is I guess what I'm trying to say where we've heard reports of kind of bad songs creeping in and like one or two saying racist things about Ash and obviously this thing that Haley has mentioned today if you haven't if you don't know what we're talking about with that I would suggest looking at Haley's Twitter uh, which is at Fee Wales um, to, just to see what's been said and I, th- I think it's awful and, and I think we need to make sure we are so proud of the fact that we are not England fans, to all intents and purposes, that that's, like, that dreadful behaviour doesn't drift into our away support. Um, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a bad way to start today, but it definitely needs to be mentioned, and I think 
if anyone is involved in that or knows anything about it, they should truly be ashamed of themselves because this is not what Wales, as far as I'm concerned, is all about. Um, to move on yeah, let's move and on. actually talk about the football, which is what we're here for. Um, obviously, Wales played Spain, lost 4-1, played Ireland, won 1-0. Uh, one, Great goal from Harry Wilson. We're going to talk about the two games and kind of break them down a little bit. Um, we're going to start off with the Spain game, as that was first. I thought I just wanted to talk about the selection, really, as the, as the starting point, because that was... I would say bizarre is the word I'm going to go for. Um, four full-backs in a back five. Why do you think he did that? I've got a bit of a theory. Oh, good. <laughs> do you want my theory? I do. Okay, it's actually a wider thing. So I was looking at the four games as a whole... And obviously, two of them you would treat as harder games. Okay, obviously Denmark and Spain, and then two against a, shall we say, a, a weaker team in Ireland. I mean, they're, they're having their problems. So for a long time, we've been discussing the balance between four at the back and five at the back. And I wonder whether Giggs and Co have had this, a similar sort of debate. And have this issue of, right, we can play four at the back when we're playing the islands of the world. We need to play five at the back when we're playing the Denmark and Spains of the world. They're just not quite sure how to do it. They don't want to pull Ben Davies inside and make him one of the central three because they can see his value on the left. So then the question is, if you're going to have three, how are you going to address it? They tried one thing with the Danish game. So they tried Gunter and Chester and Mepham for the Danish game. We tried a different combination against Spain. Neither worked. But I wonder if that was the thinking. How can we have three centre-backs without actually really having three centre-backs? How could we have a two plus a sort of right wing-back, but not really? And it didn't work. Yeah. I think, I, I don't think it worked at all. I think, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. as, the reason, as far as I was always aware, that we went back, we went to five at the back was because we had relative strength in depth there. Yeah. And we didn't really have any strikers. So we were better off playing our better players, mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that they were defenders. So it, it made sense to me. Because yeah. there was a logic behind that. But I feel like we're persisting with this five at the back. And I don't know why. Because we haven't got the personnel to do it. Well, I say we haven't. We didn't against Spain. Yeah. And rightly or wrongly, Giggs seems to be doing this thing where he's resting certain people. And he's kind of almost rotating people in and out for certain games. Which I quite like. Yeah. But that also shouldn't be at the expense of a game I agree. And, I th and I thought against Spain it was at the expense of the game I agree but I wonder whether of those four games it was the one where you could play roulette a little bit and I, I wonder if they're just not quite ready to cut the strings on five at the back I think we should I think we should because our strength is clearly going forward right now to go back to your point of the strength used to be at the back. It's now at the other end of yeah. the field. Um, so I think we need to go up four at the back because of what it enables us to do further forward. Yeah. And I just wonder whether they're not quite ready, as I say, to cut that off 
for games against teams of the quality of Spain, of the quality of Denmark. The problem is we haven't got a good combination of five at the back right now anyway. We're, we're structurally better with four. Um, I, I totally agree with that, and yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. I, to me, the bizarreness, which is almost definitely not a word, um, <laughs> was that at half-time in the game, he made the sub I wanted him to make, bring Chester on, yep. but he did it for Ash, and then we were stuck still with four full-backs. And if that's your experiment and everything else, and you want to try something out, I can go with it mm -hmm. to an extent. But the problem is, and, and to be fair, and again, just to continue that, I think he was protecting Mepham, uh, and you're decided and trained with the system, and then yeah. he, you know got to knock. But I can go with that. And, um, he, and he knew he didn't have Dome, he knew he didn't have Lockyer. Maybe, maybe a half of Chester and a half of Williams as a way to know he'd have both of them in Dublin. Yeah, but equally, why call up Rodden if you're not going to play him? If you're going to throw the dice a bit, I don't think. Rodden would have done any worse than Chris Gunter did. I know it's sacrilege to say something, but Chris Gunter looked a little bit lost to me, and I don't blame him for that. He's not a centre half. Yeah. And it, against Spain, again, you know, he could probably get away with that for against Ireland or someone, but against Spain, he kind of looked a little bit lost. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I wonder whether there was this sort of weird thinking of playing almost two and a half as opposed to three which is why they went for Gunter in both the Danish yeah. and the Spanish games. So that you've thought, okay, we can push Roberts a bit further forward. we sort of got, yeah, flexible's a good way of putting it. But it's it's not the point at which you can experiment for that. I think... That's the one, that's the, the, the ultimate point I'm trying to make yeah. is, is that we've got Albania in a month. If you want to fiddle around with stuff and see who can do what and where, that's where you can do it. Against Spain on a massive pitch like that. I just thought that was... like, I, I would say naive would actually be a compliment there. Because it, it was bizarre to me. And, and the fact that you perpetuated it by making a change at half-time and not changing the system, I thought was, to be honest, stupid. <laughs> and I was really frustrated at that. Because I know the game's gone. Yeah. And I know we're not going to get back into it and all this other stuff. But... We've still got to play the rest of that game. And the only reason Spain didn't put six past us is because they just stopped trying. Yeah, they stopped working. And the only reason they scored the fourth is because our defending was more laughable <laughs> stuff from set pieces. So yeah. it was almost by accident they scored a fourth goal. Um, Declan John, I wanted to mention. And again, I almost felt sorry for him because he's not been playing uh, for Swansea. He looks so far out of his depth. Yeah, he played 90 minutes. Yeah. And I felt like he was just kind of sacrificing. Just like, look, I know I'm not going to use you again. I know I'm not going to use you on Tuesday. Yeah. Do a job, son. And I thought I thought, I thought that was quite bad, i, I got to say. Um, but but, it, but isn't, in some respects, isn't that what... Sorry, he didn't play 90 minutes. Jazz Williams. Uh, Jazz Richards came on, sorry. But isn't it the case that you kind of should do that in a friendly that's happening before a competitive game? You're I know almost what you're saying, going with a mindset of a few sacrificial lambs here. I've got to protect a few players ahead of the second game. But if you're Declan John there, I'd be thinking, well, the manager obviously doesn't fancy me. Do you know what I mean? He's, but, but, he's but, hung him out to dry a bit there, I think. Yeah, but equally at the minute, 
given his circumstances at his club team, he can't really expect to be making the starting no, eleven. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying, but he did. <laughs> yeah, for the friendly. But yeah. I, I, I just think that, personally, I just thought that was bad management. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm being quite scathing on gigs here, and I know we played against Spain, we're a very good team. We have to remember, they didn't really try. Yeah. And England went to Seville four, four days later or whatever and beat them mm-hmm. 3-2. And I know England got to the semi-final of the World Cup. Well, they are not a great team, but I tell you what they did do to move to my next point of tactics is they showed how to play against that side. Yeah. They dropped in very deep. They had two solid banks... They didn't try and press the ball. They waited until Spain came onto them. Thank, yes, you. thank you. They waited until Spain came onto them, and then they pressed in the right areas, and bang, were lethal yeah. on the break. Yeah. We kind of half pressed, half didn't, left wide open spaces in behind, uh, and again, didn't do anything to address yeah. it. And that and that kind of really worried me. Like I said, the plan was obviously to draw them in and play on the break, but. Uh, Ampadu and Allen, whilst Ampadu was on the pitch, both of them would push and press at the same time, rather than one or the other, yeah. and leave a hole in behind. All that needed is one pass through, and, 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 they're, and they're past yeah. the whole midfield. Yeah. Um, and as I say, you know, I, th- I think he, s- he can set us up well against poorer teams. I've said it before, uh, like Ireland, like China, but against the better teams, as we have done against. Denmark, I thought that was bad tactical decisions mm-hmm. he made. Uh, I thought he made bad tactical decisions when we played Mexico, and I know that was a bit of a different one, friendly as well, end of the season, blah, blah, blah. But the point still stands. Um, and I think he needs to stop doing that because I thought it became very, very messy. And I think whilst we can take the positives out from the Ireland game afterwards, mm-hmm. which we'll come on to, I think there's a lot of stuff that I looked at after that, after that game, sorry, and was just like, wow, yeah. there are a lot of bad decisions made there, I thought. I think the concern is, in a friendly, you are, as a supporter in a friendly, you're prepared for it to be, you've used the word messy a lot, let's, let's use that, but you want it to be structurally sound. It might be that player A is really in you know, the front runner, but player B is playing in that position because it's friendly. But structurally, it looks like whatever we're trying to create as plan A. My concern at the minute is that we seem to be ricocheting between the plan A's, particularly at the back. Like, I agree are, with that we a, entirely. are we Are we this or are we that? And I think at the moment, there's still the temptation to be this whatever you want to call it three at the back two and a half at the back against the better teams two and a half at the back that doesn't work into the Coleman Out of Dreams song at the back sorry two and a half at the back Um, and hopefully the fact that it hasn't worked against Denmark it hasn't worked against Spain um, will demonstrate what we need to do next and it'll be really interesting to see what they do against Denmark no I agree Uh, and I think and hope that that he'll realise the four-two-three-one thing will work, and I think he'll go back to that. Mm-hmm. And I hope he does anyway. Um, to, to look at the game itself, yep. which uh, there's not a huge amount of point in doing because <laughs> there's not really many positives. Um, but I do think it's worth pointing 
he obviously at some point for the second goal, which is the Ramos header, he obviously has tried to do something in, in the way they set up there. Because there's no way that everyone has got out of position that badly. Um, you know, by, by, by mistake. There must be some design going on there, which obviously just didn't work. Yeah. But that... I, I, I did think... No idea what that is. Um, I did think to myself, that shows a direct lack of understanding of what was requested of him. And to use a teaching analogy, <laughs> if at the end of a lesson I've asked my kids to explain what they've done today and everyone looks at me blankly, I think, I've obviously done my job right. <laughs> and then, and I, and I thought that was the best, closest thing. He's obviously yeah. tried to explain something and do something. And no one's had any sort of clue. And yeah. you've come to do the hands up if you know what, if you can explain to me what we've discussed today. And all the kids have sat there, sat on their hands, looking at the floor, hoping they don't get picked on by the teacher. Um, which, which is, I think, what's happened. Um, my other thing was possession. Right. Now I'm not a huge believer in statistics, telling a full story of a match. I do love a stat, but. Um, I felt like whenever we got the ball, we were, we were pretty wasteful on it. Uh -huh. um, and and I think that is reflective of the way the game went, that some of the statistics. It was 71 to 29% possession. in possession. Okay. And just to kind of add a bit more to that, it was 12 shots to our seven. Well, I was quite surprised by the seven, actually. Yeah. Only two of them were on target. We had a, they had a pass accuracy rate of 93% and we had an 86%. Okay. Which at first I thought, actually, yeah. that's not too bad. But I looked into some other statistics, particularly the Ireland game, which I now can't find on my piece of paper <laughs> that I've written here. There you go. Um, we had more possession against Ireland than them, but they had more shots, more shots on target, more corners. And looking through some of the other games, even when... For example, we've played Uruguay, where possession stuff was more balanced. Our pass accuracy is still at quite a relatively high level, 80%. Mexico, 77%. Denmark, 82%, which is actually better than the Danes. But then, when I looked at that, that's because a lot of those passes were safe passes and sideways passes. And I'll come on to this more in the Ireland game, but... With, you know, blame Bale or whoever will not be in there if you want. We are playing a lot of safe sideways passes and not actually being threatening when we do get the ball. So if our plan was to play on the break, that's fine. Mm -hmm. We're still not really finding our targets then when we do have the ball um, in an attacking way. And I really feel like, again, tactically, that's something we need to address because it is keeping happening. Yeah. I mean, I think the issue there is you look, the perception is that our strength is going forward. But you look at those shots on goal tallies across whatever it is, the last half a dozen games, we're actually doing really little. Particularly in open play, we're doing relatively little. And so, you mean, you take the first Ireland game aside, when Ireland were like, they just didn't Dollars, turn up. Let's be honest, they they didn't funny, turn yeah. up that night. Then what have we actually done with possession of the ball? It's very little. I think that's a really, really good point. Because if you think Spain, okay, I know we scored a goal, and we'll come on to David Brooks in a minute, but Mexico didn't score a goal. Uruguay 
didn't score a goal. Denmark didn't score a goal. Yet we've given up an awful Ireland side and an awful Chinese side an absolute hiding. You know, the goal we scored the other day has come from a set piece, and we've, you know, it's a, don't get me wrong, absolute worldy free kick, but sort of something and nothing. Like, in, in the sense that, if we're being honest with each other, nine times out of ten, that probably goes in the wall or the stand. Yeah. Or, in terms of when we actually create goal mouth chances, I, I still think we're, we're struggling, and, and I think we're not doing enough to break teams down. No, I think it's telling those stats you were saying about the Ireland game, Tuesday's Ireland yeah. game, where they've got more shots, more corners. I mean, just, and that we had, doesn't make sense yeah. when we were supposedly the attacking yeah. team on that pitch. When we had almost 20% more of the ball. Yeah. That's a bit of a strange one. Um, to, to try and become a bit more positive, because I mean, we can't you know, we do have to remember it was against Spain, and <laughs> yes, the defending was awful, um, especially, like I say, that second goal, uh, which was, I mean, it was bought, if I had conceded that goal on Sunday League 11 aside over 30s, <laughs> I would be murdered by my teammates. We've actually, listeners, we've just come from supporting, I've just come from supporting Dave's middle school boys playing actually what was a pretty dire game. Oh my God. But I, if they'd have let that goal in... Um, I think Brooks, to me, was one of the main positives. And I've got to be honest, again, I know I keep saying this, we'll come back to this. Be we'll come back to Ash a bit as well, because I know he only played at half against Spain. And the second goal was definitely his fault, because he was, whoever he was marking, it was one of the four lads who were behind him. Um, but... I actually thought he did well mm -hmm. and corralled what was around him well. When you think you've got four people around you playing out of position, I actually thought he managed the situation yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Um, but Brooks came on and instantly it was just like, hang on, he feels right at home here. Yeah. And I thought he played really, really well. He looked a threat. He combined, started to combine well with Ramsey, which brought Ramsey more into the game after I thought he had a quiet game. Um, and then the cross for Vokes' goal. Yeah. My God. Outside of the boot. Fabulous, fabulous. Like the ability that boy has. No, it's, it's is amazing. incredible. And he's... I mean, even... Just how mature he looks for a lad that, you know, 12 months ago yeah. was... We'll and talk even, about the under-21s, yeah. but that's where he was yeah. 12 months ago. And he looks like a stiff breeze is going to blow <laughs> him over. <laughs> yeah, here he is, going past people. You know, he, he uses his body, what he's yeah. got, you know, well. Yeah. I thought he was... I, I, when he came on, he, I, I, it was one of those where I was just like, hang on. Yeah. And I think what you said about his work with Ramsey's, that could actually be really important going forward for us. I think there's a partnership there that yeah. could be really valuable. I agree. I totally agree. Um... I don't think there's much else I want to I say about I wanted to mention Vokes. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to mention Vokes because it was, it was interesting that he was in that game and then Roberts was in the Ireland game. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people have been commenting on the fact that Vokes might feel a bit kind of slighted with what's happening. You know, he's, he's playing for a premiership team. He's it's been decent neck He's well. been playing reasonably well recently. He's been scoring recently. Roberts has only been playing for Leeds, you know, properly recently. 
But I wonder whether that was a more conscious decision that his kind of presence, um, that sort of more old-fashioned centre-forward approach was a, a better foil with Spain because they were less used to it, whereas Robert's kind of speed and nippiness and, and guile uh, was a better option with the Irish, which I think it probably proved yeah, I think to that's be. Yeah, a fair point. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not so convinced that, that Vokes might be as in the doghouse as some people are commenting. I think it might be more a horses for courses kind I think of approach. That. I think that. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, what he actually had and what he could do, I thought he played well. Mm -hmm. um, he held the ball up pretty well. There were times when he, was, you know, he didn't do a great job of it and his first touch wasn't great. But you know, there are other times he held the ball up well. And he looks around yeah. him. There's no Nothing one, there. no within 15 yards of him. Yeah. So I, I do, I do think he did all right. And I agree, the horses of the courses thing is fair. Having played Ireland so much in such a short space of time, we have perfectly worked out how to beat them. And it didn't work the first time, mm -hmm. which is when it mattered. But yeah. we've done it really well since. And I think that is what Giggs does deserve credit for where he's recognised what to do and has mm -hmm. done something about it against that team. It does perpetuate, as I say, the, I think he can set us up against bad teams, but can he set up against good teams? But, do you know, we still won. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he does deserve credit for that. And I, I think he, in an attacking format, in terms of that pivot, the, not pivotal, what do I mean? The focal point, sorry, yeah. up front. That was the right decision. Mm -hmm. And I think Vox, you know, he deserved a goal, even though I feel he came off as a year or his ass or something in the end. But just for his graft, and he, he was—I yes. thought he had a really good game, yeah. especially considering the what else was happening, kind of setup and the circumstances. Um, to move on, mm -hmm. I think, to the Ireland game. I mean, ultimately, it was a big, 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 big improvement. Uh, return to kind of our style of play with our setup. Um, I do wish we'd kind of <laughs> tried that setup against Spain, but we, we, we've done with that. Um, it was a dull game, but ultimately we won. Yeah. And that, you know, there were things wrong with it. Like we were just talking about the the, the statistics there of more possession, but them having more shots and stuff. But do you think, as a consequence, the win kind of papers over the cracks a little bit, or are we just happy to get in, get out, get the three points and? Kind of I, move on. I think I think both actually. I don't think there's anything wrong with being very happy with the three points, but we shouldn't be naive about the red flags that it showed either. Yeah. You know, when you're playing a team like that with the attacking options we have, and you get less shots on goal, something's not quite right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can. It's easy to say we were minus Bell, we were minus Ramsey, we were minus Hamperdo, and that's that's a genuine kind of flaw in what we were Can putting I just out in Dublin. Interrupt at that point. How crazy is it that we're saying, <laughs> "Oh, we didn't have our three best players, <laughs> and we've got um, a small child"? It's one of, it is one of them. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was really quite funny. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you there, Kyle. I've lost my thread completely. Sorry, we've just had a lot of fish and chips. Um, <laughs> you were talking about uh, it's easy to say that we yes, no, didn't so, have Ramsey. I mean, but it's, I think both, you should consider both things. You consider, yes, we got three points away from home in a 
a group where we're playing teams that notionally are on a par with us and we got three points away from home you can't you can't diss that that's a good outcome i think the concern is the lack of on target shots we're creating the lack of opportunities we're creating yeah. the lack of work that we're giving their goalkeepers that we're giving their defense really um you, when you think about it they had actually relatively little to do yeah. in terms of keeping us Shot out stopping. yeah exactly and so i mean it wasn't like there was a lot of blocks that they made or anything so it is concerning how we can ensure that we can produce the kind of attacking player we're clearly capable of, even in a scenario where actually we're playing a pretty weakened team. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a concern going forward. So I think there are positives and negatives. Clearly, yeah. there are things there are things we can draw strength from. Sirens. There we go. <laughs> Move pub. Same thing. Um, so there are things we can draw strength from, but I think there are things that we should be concerned about too. No, I think that's a very fa fair comment. Like the sideways passing is the big one for me, mm -hmm. uh, and our lack of there was a lack of pace about things. Yeah. Um, Which doesn't make sense when you consider the, the pace, pace that the was pitch. on the field. Yeah. yeah. I I felt the the big one for me is I felt we lost confidence mm -hmm. against Spain. Just the way everything happened, and as a consequence, we took that into that Ireland game. We were a little bit scared. There was a couple of times Ben Davis was in acres, and there was a big switch on, and everyone was kind of looking at each other like, "You do it, no, yeah. no, you do it, no, no, you do it," <laughs> and it never happened. Um, so I do think that that did have an impact. However, we do need to be realistic and positive. That was the first time since 2008, Bale and Ramsey didn't play in the same game which whilst that underlines their uh, commitment to Wales which is superb it's also worth pointing out that they're our two best players yeah. and I don't care whether you're Barcelona or whoever you take your two three if we're going to include Ampadu in that best players out of anyone's team you're going to notice a difference in that yeah. and, I, and I do think it's a consequence to go somewhere where I read we hadn't won in Dublin since 1992, mm -hmm. to go to Dublin, win that match without someone Mepham, probably our first choice centre half. Yep. Without, if we're honest, in Ampadu now, one of our starting midfielders. Yep. And without our two most threatening attacking players. To take four players out of that team and still go away and do a job, mm -hmm. I thought we did that well. I, you know, it wasn't pretty. I can't imagine I'll be rushing out to buy the DVD. <laughs> but we did what we had to do, and yeah. I thought ultimately it was a satisfactory result. And of the two games, if you'd have asked me before, who would you rather we beat, Spain or Ireland, I'd have chosen Ireland every no, single time. Obviously, obviously. I think what you were saying about the tension from the first game is interesting. I think there was a palpable kind of exhaling and relaxing once Wilson's goal went in, once his free kick went in. I think we were genuinely incredibly tense in that first half. To the point, as you were saying, where the safe the safe pass felt like the right pass. When yes, most of the time it is, but sometimes you have to be brave and you have to push it forward. Yeah. And I think once 
they'd, once we'd scored, I think there was this kind of like, yeah, okay, we're all, we're right, all right here. Yeah, we're yeah. doing all right, lads. Let's keep going. Um, so that was quite interesting. The psychology of that was quite interesting. I think that might reflect the youngness of the players that were on the field. And that's part of their maturity. That's part of their growing up. That's part of their realising that they don't have to carry things from one game to the next as well. So that was interesting. Uh, but yes, I can't disagree with your point about it's a, it's a team we've had trouble beating, clearly. It's a team we've had trouble getting any sort of result from on, on their turf. Um, they had some of their players back. They would have had a real kick up the behind before that game, I'm sure. They were as motivated as they were going to be. Uh, so on that basis, you can't, you, you can't say that it's a bad three points. It was clearly a, no. good, a good outcome. And to have that outcome with the type of team we had to put on the field because we're, we were minus some key yeah. players is particularly pleasing. I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, for all my negativity of the last half an hour, <laughs> um, I do think it's worth pointing out that the preferred outcome, regardless of the players on the pitch or the tactics we use, everything, is to win football matches. And sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes you're not going to go and beat everyone 4-1 and play this breathtaking <laughs> brand of football. Other times you've just got to win the match. And that's exactly what yeah. we did. And I think everyone deserves massive credit for that. Um, I mentioned him before and I said I'd come back to him so I will, is Ashley Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been vocal in saying that I think he may be done as an international footballer. And after saying that, it would be wrong if I then didn't correct myself and say I thought he was great against Ireland. He was strong, committed, managed the team well, uh, was a proper captain's performance, yeah. I thought. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He was everything you wanted your captain to be that, that evening, wasn't he? He yeah. was on it from the start. He was vocal. You could see it when Matt Smith made that mistake early on. Immediately, Hennessy kind of got up, and you thought, "Oh God, don't blow at him!" Yeah. Don't blow him. And, and he, he kind of, I think he, I think Wayne said something, but perhaps not too much. But equally, I would imagine Ash was whispering in his ear, "Nothing came of it. Yeah. We're fine. Let's don't go, worry yeah, about it. Yeah. Keep going, lad." Um, so, I think that that relationship he has um, with the holding midfield. Thank you. With the holding midfield, I think is really important. And the communication from him, um, particularly when you've got new players in there. And you look at, you know, the last few internationals, he's had a different, that, that holding midfield pair have been changing up yeah. all the time. And he's so. got different people next to him, different formations, yeah. you know. Um, before you tuck into your fish and chips, <laughs> um, I want to do want to mention Matt Smith there because he's not a big lad. Nope. Uh, but I thought he played very well and after that mistake it was easy for him to shrink a bit but I thought he played well he threw himself into a lot of stuff I was really impressed with him and I think everything does go to really show Giggs's ability and desire to kind of place trust in the young players so I'm still in a chip (laughs) and I think that was well founded and got a positive reward from that in Matt Smith's performance um 
the last thing we'll say on this before you eat your fish and chips. Too late. Ruth's already side. We um, tweeted asking for some five-word summaries of the international window. I should have remembered what I tweeted out, what was mine, but don't worry about it. Um, but I can't. So I'm just going to read out a few of what we had, which and some of them I thought were really, really interesting. Liam Charlton tweeted us and said, strength in depth for once. Which, considering what we said about the Spain game, I thought was actually quite interesting. Because we were talking about, you know, should should that people playing out of position, basically. No, I think, historically, I think one of our real concerns has always been, yeah, we might be able to knock together an 11, but any knocks to those 11, and we're immediately in trouble. And I think now we're not. We've got yeah. 17, 18... A genuine squad. ...that we can perm from. And I think that does, at international level, that makes a real difference. You know, it goes back to what you were saying a moment ago. Four, five, six of what might have been our, our starters are out of that team in Ireland. We went there, we did the job, we came away with the yeah. result. And so that's that, to me, is being able to deliver through a squad system as opposed to just a first 11. No, nope, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, Tom Albrighton said, foundations placed must kick on. And again, I think that kind of ties in a little bit to what I was saying about we do well against some teams and not against others. And I think that's true. We must kick on. Um, Josie Wales, we won the meaningful one. I think that's a very, very fair point. It goes back to what you were saying a moment ago about if there was a choice, you'd win the Ireland game. Yeah. And that's what we did. Um, wins good, defeat bad. <laughs> Ash, question mark. Uh, again, I think you're right. We won the game we needed to. We were dreadful against Spain. <laughs> and Ash has, has definitely raised a lot of questions about his deserving his place in the squad and, and the quality of his performance. There was a tweet I read from someone who was making the point about players not actually retiring. Like, Ash could have very easily yeah. walked away. And we'd have been in a really difficult position in that game against Ireland, given who we were missing. Um, and the fact that a player will kind of stick around and do their part. Now, I think that's somewhat reflected in the fact that he's a captain. And so there's there's that kind of mileage in his involvement, regardless of what's happening on the field. But I do think it speaks of his dedication as well, because it would have been quite easy six, seven months ago yeah. for him to hang up his boots and everybody would have said, thank you, yeah. but it, it is time to hang up your boots. And yeah. I think the fact that he has stayed the course and, and continued to contribute is really important. No, I agree. And I think, you know, you're talking about you getting grief off people and everything like that. Dickheads like me, or <laughs> someone who's—I wouldn't say giving him grief, but certainly questioning it. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. There's times where we needed people like that. Mm -hmm. And I've questioned Joe Ledley, and do you know what? He probably could have done a job against Ireland. So, and that's not to be critical of people like Dave Edwards, for example. But I think it, it does—it does raise a point, uh, which is and, and shows his value to, to a, a genuine squad. That was from Di Doniol. Uh, my favourite one, I don't know your real name, it's just your Twitter name, Cacciatore, I think. Uh, Spain are good. 
Wales promising. Um, and I think that's fair. Spain are really good. Yep. Uh, and I think as uh, the other one we, we, we got here, the Foundations Place from Tom O'Brighton, the fun of the Sunderland fan. We've had a few good exchanges with Tom, and all of a sudden, I don't like him anymore. Um, yeah, it's, to join those together, I think, would be a good combination, because you're right, the way we are promising. Mm-hmm. But we are five games into the gigs range, six. Oh, no, we're more than that. One, six. two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, <laughs> seven games in, and you're right. We do need to kick on. We've got a lot of promise. This needs to kind of start to become something. Um, the final thing I will say on this window and the win against Ireland meant that at worst we are now guaranteed to be the second seed in the pot draw thing for the, for the 2020 Euros qualifiers. That is a massive deal. That really is really important to us. And there is a chance, if we win the group, get promoted, that we could still be the top seed, um, depending on a variety of other things. So we did win the meaningful one. This has had a real positive effect. And in reality, that means we're going to come... I think we're guaranteed second in the group, which in reality means we're going to get a playoff spot for Euro 2020 at absolute worst the way the system mm-hmm. kind of will likely pan out. And if we beat Denmark, we get up to the top table, which again could help us get a first uh, pot drawing seeding place thing, which is massively important. Yeah. So whilst it's easy to criticise, as we have, I think ultimately us to be guaranteed to be the second seed in a group where two teams qualify by rights mm-hmm. and we're guaranteed a playoff place come what may, I think is a massive positive to take from this window and one that, with all the other stuff and goings on, we should be really satisfied with, with what we've come out with, even if the way we've done it has not been something to necessarily light fireworks about. No, I, I can't disagree with that. The three, we got the three points where it mattered. It, I think, actually, the Nations League as a whole is starting to prove its worth. I think it, initially it looked so damn complicated that we were all a bit flummoxed by it. But as it's kind of teased itself out, and you, I think the, the merit in these games against comparable quality teams really is, showing is really it's showing its, its worth. And, you know, you just look at Gibraltar and, yeah. you know, Luxembourg and different countries that are, are actually Winning getting su- some success. Back-to-back wins for know? Gibraltar, I yeah. thought. And I think that's, that can only be helping them. And I think, you know, they're going to get the... They're, they're going to be in a group for the real qualifiers. They're going to be at least have a game against a big team, probably yeah. two games if you look at the first and second tier, against decent teams. That's going to help them from a, a kind of infrastructure income point of view. But equally, they, they're getting something to cheer about, something to yeah. enjoy. And we, we know from experience how important yeah, that is. Absolutely. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, we're going to take a small break while Ruth enjoys her fish and chips.
So we've had a fish and chip break. Ruth has also poured a pint of Blue Moon over my legs, which was a lovely experience. Um, so we're ready to crack on and go home, and I have to explain to my wife why I am literally stinking of booze. So it was Ruth's fault. You're not going to point that out, that was an accident, yes? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Anyway, we had an interesting exchange today on Twitter about the under-21s. I have, for the last... I'm going to say six months or so, started to kind of hold the opinion a little bit that I'm not entirely convinced about how good a job Robert Page is doing with the 21s. And also, how at times I feel we aren't doing certain players a favour. Now, I know Wales are only responsible for our younger players in kind of small blocks, um, but I think sometimes we might be better kind of throwing keeping them, sorry, in the 21s rather than throwing them into the seniors. And I'm going to use Woodburn and Rodden as the example in this instance. I think whatever reason Woodburn's progress is stalled, personally I think it's physical rather than football ability, and yet he was still in the squad. He didn't play against Spain, didn't play against Ireland, didn't play in the previous window either, I don't think. To me, that's a wasted opportunity for him to get what could have been solid game time minutes under his belt for the 21s. It also boosts the 21s, boosts the opportunity of them winning games, and I know they weren't going to qualify for the for the for the tournament, but I think there was a big benefit to that. And I would argue the same for Rodden as well, in that he didn't play. And I think Giggs brought him in his emergency cover, knowing he wasn't going to play unless Chester or Williams got injured. And I think, I, I thought that was a little bit short-sighted, personally. Um, and I know sometimes there's some people, like your Ampadus, who deserve to jump in and has instantly become one of our kind of pivotal players. I wonder... Whilst there are arguments on both sides, is Robert Page doing a good enough job at that role? Because it's easy to say, well, he is doing a good job because there's young players in the senior team. But equally, looking at the results, is he doing a great job? Because, yes, we beat Switzerland both times round. But that's pretty much... those are the, That's the highlight to that sort of campaign. And... Before we go into the what I found really illuminating response on Twitter, uh, of which there were many as well, I'd like to add. What What are your thoughts? I kind of half agree and half disagree. I think Rodden was needed for coverage because we were so sh short at the back this time. So I, I think we did need to call him up to the squad. I can see the argument for Woodburn in this particular window of letting him be with the 21s. Um, it obviously didn't cost the, the 21s particularly. I, I don't think he would have made the difference in the, the game we lost and they, they won the Swiss yeah. game. Um, but I can see the plus point about sort of helping his confidence and helping his uh, exposure on the field and just, just playing some football because he, he's just not at the minute, yeah. is he? Um, so I can, I can see the argument that he might have been better served with the 21s. Um, 
just to be clear, I'm just using that as an example yes, of yeah. right now. But in the, yeah, in this particular window, I can see that. I don't think it. I think there are points when there are pluses to people being part of the squad and being involved. You know, maybe the psychology of him going to the 21s would feel like too much of a demotion at a point when he might just need a little TLC. Uh, so perhaps still being part of the of, of the main squad is they felt that was important enough for him to have the exposure as opposed to being playing with the 21s. I think it's a very delicate balance, and I think it might come down to the individual players. Um, there are you know there are people that you might be able to switch backwards and forwards and, and feel that they can handle it, and other players where perhaps you've got to just tread a little more lightly. With them. I, I understand what you're saying. I think it's a fair point. But by the same token, I do think whilst this is, you know, it's good, someone might need a bit of TLC every night. Sometimes you have to make a difficult decision as to what's best for someone's development and their future. And I feel like, and it doesn't happen often. And I'm to be clear, before anyone sends me a load of Twitter abuse, I'm not being negative on the 21s here. Welsh football has come on so far and it is as, as a direct consequence of what is happening in our age groups people are very excited about this in the pub. it's a direct consequence of what's happening in our age groups that yeah. that is happening so don't, I'm not I want to be clear I'm not being down on that I'm just saying I think there are times when we kind of sidestep what is actually a good experience mm -hmm. and I think do you know what Woodburn came in? He flattered it perhaps a little bit to deceive in the, his performances against Austria and Moldova in the last campaign. And he played a vital role. But he was also a young enough boy, and I feel like we might have been better served saying a little bit, OK, thank you, mate, you've done a great job here, but do you know what? You're a young boy. You need to continue development. He is very young as well, isn't yeah. he? I mean, he's, he could probably play in the under-19s, I think. Could play for my middle school boys this <laughs> afternoon. Um, my, my point is, is that while sometimes it's hard to make a hard decision, you've still got to do what's best for the kid. And I don't think, and I'm using him in isolation, I guess, but I don't think we're doing him any favours at the moment, personally. The reason I say this is because... Whilst I know it's a much lauded example, a lot of players came through the 21s together for Wales at a key point and it has translated into something brilliant for us now. And I went to that England playoff game for the 21s where Rambo, etc. were playing and I felt like being in that whole campaign and working towards that target gave them a real life experience. Yeah that I feel like with some of them, we're kind of passing them by a little bit at the moment. Um, and I don't think anyone's doing anything wrong. I just feel like at times we need to kind of be clear about what our focus is and, and what we're trying to work towards. Because at the minute, the outcome is everyone is saying the, work, the 21s are working because there's players going through to the seniors. But that's that's great. But there are also other players who are in the seniors who aren't contributing. And we need to continue their development because they have got talent. And Harry Wilson's the perfect example. Yeah. 
he missed out a bit of a chunk. He took that backward step, went back to the 21s, worked hard, and now he's got his opportunities. He's been playing at different places, and he's he's back in the fold. He's playing at Derby. He's starting first. He scored a wonderful goal the other night. His career is moving on, and I wonder if maybe had he not missed that stage of development, we may have got the fruits of that a bit earlier. And I know this is all pie in the sky, and you know, again, I want to reiterate, I'm not being critical. But I, I feel like it's something we should kind of monitor. And I asked the question today on Twitter. Sorry, I'm talking a lot here. Um, where should Paige go? And as I say, a lot of kind of great stuff came in. Um, big thanks to Leon Barton, who wrote the uh, little wonder book about Brian Flynn. Uh, Tom Albrighton, who, again, upsettingly is a Southern fan. Dragon Soccer, Dominic O'Shea, Kerry Rodden who I'm pretty sure is Joe Rollins' mum, <laughs> which is amazing. Hugh Owen, Hugh Davis, Keith Evans, Steve, I don't know his second name, Gareth John, and uh, even Rob Phillips con uh, contributed. There was some really interesting stuff. The overall feel is that we do well as long as people come through. Yeah. And if people aren't coming through, then it becomes a question because Page is then losing his better players for stuff, and then it becomes a bit different. The point was made, however, that Flynn, for example, got aside at a point who were often missing players yeah. and still won matches. And the, the two examples I've got, when we beat France in 2007, um, Gunter, Edwards, Hennessy, Ledley, Erdley, Cottrell, Nyatanga and Bale were all unavailable for either injury or majority in the senior squad. Yet we still beat France. Yep. Um, Against Italy in 2009, we did now Bale, Collison, Gunter, Hennessy, Alan, Nyatanga. These are big, these are you know be a big miss to anyone yes, now. Yeah. Never mind at that, at, that, at that phase. Leon said that Flynn always maintained that his main focus was getting players to the seniors, but he also wanted to get results along the way because you can't beat a win winning mentality. I don't think we should be too shy about demanding that the intermediate manager produces players and gets results Flynn did it mm -hmm. and I think that's a great point yeah. and I don't think we are doing that at the minute and I'm not saying page out I'm not starting a hate campaign <laughs> here I'm saying at some point are we missing a step in players development is he the right person to give those players that development and is he just fortunate to an extent that the people who've come through Brooks is a brilliant player. Ampadu's a brilliant player and is about 12 years old. Um, Wilson is a, is, is a very good player. His career is developing away from his parent club. Is the fact that we have produced those players... I wouldn't say lucky, because that is doing him a massive disservice, but fortunate. I think it's actually a bigger picture thing. I think that the development we're seeing is reflective of an FAW investment which goes back much further. I don't think the person responsible for the 21s is having the effect and the influence that Flynn had when he was responsible for the 21s. That's a great way to describe it. I think it's much more... Our, our success at bringing players through is now much more a reflection of a system. I think in Flynn and Toshak's day, 
it was much more reflective of Flynn getting in his car and digging out those birth certificates and connections <laughs> and grandmas in caravans, you know. Um, so I think Flynn's relationship with his 21s, I think, was and had to be different than Paige's relationship with his 21s. I think Flynn very much saw his role as a finder and a, and a sort of nursemaid into the main squad. Whereas I think Paige's role is a step on a route which starts at the under-16s. It starts with us winning the Victory Shield and yeah. progressing through. And so I think Paige, in some respects, is seeing his role differently and should see his role differently. He is a cog in a much bigger wheel. Whereas Flynn and Toshak, Flynn was very much right-hand man. Uh, and so I don't think we can make the same expectations that we had in the Flynn era on the Page era because I yeah. think they have to have a different responsibility and a different a, a different raise of debt in what they're doing and achieving. I think you're right in it to an extent. I think we can't make necessarily the same comparisons, mm -hmm. but I do think we can have the same expectations. Yeah, no, that I don't disagree with that, but I think that when we got to that those playoffs when we played England we were talking about a team that certainly in, in Ramsey had genuine world class player and a, and a cohort of contemporaries that were and are damn good and I think in a strange way, the system that we've ingrained and we've developed works against Paige in terms of tournament qualification because we are we're so much in the sense, and particularly with gigs coming in, we're so much in the sense of push forward with the youth, fast track them, get them involved, get them experienced with the squad, the, squad, the main squad, get them loving being part of the setup. I do think there's a part of it where we're using those younger year groups almost indoctrinating people in the Welsh way and you want to be part of this you know we saw Brooks went off played in the Toulon tournament got man of the Play tournament the format, yeah. you know yeah he's ours he's what you know he's, he's playing for us he's made a very deliberate choice there he could have stayed where he where he was um, exposed to that English setup but he didn't he, he's, he's pushed forward with us and so I think a lot of energy goes into making it a, a, a seamless transition and coherent and all of those sorts of things. And I think for that reason, I think the FAW would say that they're prioritizing the main squad development. Yeah. And so there's a price to pay if you do that. No, and I think that's fair. Like you made the point we, you were discussing earlier that seven, I think you said, of the team who beat Switzerland the first time round weren't in the team who played Switzerland the second time round who just beat them as well because they were in the senior squad yeah. and yeah, you know there was obviously some played, signs this is working you know yeah when we played Switzerland the first qualifying game we played Switzerland in September uh, 17 so 13 months ago and we won 3-0 do you know who the goal scorers were I do not Tyler Roberts, David Brooks, George Thomas. 
you know, if that's not the under 21s doing what they yeah. should be doing. Yeah, no, I agree. And like I say, I'll I, I say it again. I'm not, this is not some sort of witch hunt. I, I'm not, I don't want Paige's head on a stick. I'm just asking the question. And I, the final point, a, a loads of kids are just coming up now. <laughs> oh, this is shit. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, I'll wrap this up. My last point is that Josie Wales made, and, I, and it's something I've thought for a while and totally agree. Um, would we be good, uh, sensible, sorry, at this point, getting Bellamy involved to further his development as a coach, but also if he's seen as a future Wales manager, which seemed to be yeah. the feel after his interview, we should involve him in the system so he is part of this. And again, I'm not saying we sack Paige, I'm saying someone like Bellamy would be someone to involve who would, I think, have a big positive impact. But also, we're not just looking after the players, but also looking after the future of our management as well. I do think that's actually a very valid point because we've got this wonderful coaching system that's the envy of the world, frankly. People, you know, we're in Massachusetts and we're importing our coaching talent here. Yeah. You know? Um, the... I think there is a responsibility of tracking future international managers, not just coaches in the general sense, but I do think one of the things we might need to look at with this wonderful system we have, and don't get me wrong, it is the envy, uh, is how does that translate to how we generate uh, a flow of good, qualified, competent, international managers yeah. for us going forward yeah, I agree. rather than waiting for the next yeah. person to leave or whatever yeah. and then thinking oh hang on has anyone got Tony Pulis's number <laughs> <laughs> um, but no I, I, I thought it was a really interesting thing and I, and I must admit it kind of I changed my mind about five times in the process of thing. I think the most poignant one came from uh, who did you say you loved on Twitter Keith someone Oh, yes, Keith, Keith. Keith Evans. Keith Evans, Keith Evans, yes. uh, And I think it was Keith who said um, he deserves one more campaign. And then if we're unsure, then we can ask the question because in the short term he has delivered these good young players to the senior squad and they are performing for us. So we can't be critical of him for that. If after another campaign we haven't achieved much, we haven't gone anywhere and there aren't players coming through then we can be at the point where we can say hang on is this guy the right guy in? Um, so yeah it was a really interesting conversation and I would urge anyone who hasn't followed it to look at our Twitter at Coleman's underscore dream to go through and kind of and look at the conversation there's some great points made by a lot of people who have a really great knowledge on this subject um, so yeah it was very interesting uh, I think we might be done I think we might be done just because of the noise so level yeah the kids are here <laughs> pissing me off I've put up with them all day I've <laughs> put up with a boozer as well um, so thank you very much for listening everybody I hope you enjoyed um, please do keep in touch with us on Twitter Facebook Facebook uh, and we will look forward to doing a preview for you ahead of the next two games against Albania and Denmark. Thank you very much for listening.
Good night.